in week four of Red Letter Living. You've already turned in your Bible to Matthew chapter 5, Deuteronomy chapter 7. We'll get to in a little bit. So why don't we do this to go ahead and um, take control back of the service and lay it back in the lap of God. And let's just open up a prayer. Father, thank you for this time to dig into your word. Now we ask that your Holy Spirit would just take these words and write it on the tablets of our hearts and mind, hide it deep within us, Lord, that we would not sin against you, that we would be quick and easy uh, to walk out your word. And not necessarily easy, we're, we're not asking for an easy life. We know that you've called us to a war, basically. And, and But we already know that you won. <laughs> All we have to do is walk, stand. God, help us to do that. Give us the strength to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, throughout this series, like I started to say, we redesigned the bulletin, and in doing so, we put together a card for you in every bulletin so you could keep notes. And the reason for keeping notes is so that you can easily grab a hold of a truth. I'm just asking for one truth that you hear throughout the message that you write down on that card, and at the bottom we even ask a simple question, how can I apply this truth that I learned today in my life this next week and begin to walk out the truths to God that you hear? Because uh, if you don't know this, you are responsible for the words that you hear, and um, you need to begin not just hearing the Word of God but doing the Word of God. So in the first week when we started going through this red letter living, um, if you look in Matthew chapter 5, we started the first week, we jumped right into, if you've got headier, headers in your Bible, um, salt and light and the fulfillment of the law, salt and light telling us who we are. We are to be the salt and the light of the world. Salt on the inside draws a thirstiness for God. We should be the salt in the world that draws people, makes them thirsty for God. I don't know. I've had people say that to me. I don't know. There's something about you. I hadn't even been talking to them. And they'll point, something about you that's different. That's that saltiness. It draws them. And there's your opportunity to talk to them. We're to be the light of the world. Do you realize that when you're put in a situation and you think, oh, this is evil, it's dark, it could be your workplace. Hopefully it's not your workplace, Denny. Um evil and dark and God and you start praying God get me out of here this is an evil place you might be the one and only light that that place sees you know the world will only get darker the more the Christians gather their lights inside the four walls we're called to go out okay that's another message that was week one week two uh, we jumped right into murder that you can't you know again we line Jesus is saying these things line upon line, precept upon precept. You heard it said, and he'd quote the law, do not murder. But I say, if you even hate your brother in your heart, Jesus said, you've already committed murder. And that's what this whole uh, red letter living is about. You know, you can't just do, and he said there at the end of the fulfillment of the law um, in verse 20 that, you know, you can't just do all the right things or not do all the wrong things. It's much more than that. It's the motives of your heart. It's your intentions. And in that first week, that's what we looked at. Motives matter. And God will judge and weigh the motives and intentions of your heart. And he said, and then I'll know the truth. You think just because you don't do this or you do this that you're okay. He says, well, then you better hope that your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees then. 
if you think your actions alone are going to save you. So God says, let's look at the heart. And then we jumped into the second week. Well, second week was the murder. Third week, which was last week, we looked at um, the adultery and divorce. And we made the point that spiritual adultery and spiritual divorce, that these aren't just talking about physical adultery and physical divorce. And we got into that. And if you didn't hear that podcast on our website, they still even do the old time CDs. If you need a CDs that are free back there, listen to last week's message. But we dove into this God's love covenant with us. And the first love covenant that was established was the marriage. It was between man and wife. And he never intended that that covenant be broken. Just like with our spiritual relationship with God, our love covenant with God. He loved you. He loved us first. Not intending that you would ever break that covenant with him. His love covenant isn't broken. And that's we're going to talk about that a little bit today as well. Um, but we also learned that adultery is just another form of idolatry. It's a betrayal of devotion. We can actually commit adultery against God by having a love affection or just a, a where you give more of your attention to something other than God. The questions we asked was, how committed are you in your relationships, both in your physical relationship with your spouse, if you're married, and your godly relationship? How committed are you? Are you permitting unnecessary attacks upon those relationships because you're not fighting to keep them strong? Since I've been here, we've had a life group that just focuses on um, empowering, enriching marriages. We do a life group. We're about, I think this Monday is our, tomorrow is our last uh, one for this term. And then we have the opportunity, so excited, we're going to be at Love, Inc. April 3rd. Our marriage group, our life group, is going to do the meal at Love, Inc. What's that called? Family Center? Family Center. We're going to make the meal for the, that's going to be our outreach, our outreach for our life group. But then we're also going to kick off a marriage group right there at the family center. And we're going to go through laugh your way to a better marriage. So we're going, I'm so excited. Um, but I say over and over and over and over again that, you know, people expect that two individuals come together and things are just rosy and perfect. <laughs> And some have learned that even after 50 years, something's wrong. Well, we tell, we tell couples all the time, your marriage won't work if you're not working on your marriage. You can ride the wave for a while, but you're going to hit the shore one of these days, and you're going to have to paddle back out again. It's going to be work. It's fun when you're riding the wave, but once you hit that beach, well, life's not always a beach. Anyway, I'll be good. I'll be good. And we learned two simple principles that are very simple, but sometimes they can be extremely hard, but they will safeguard your relationships both physically and even with God. And to learn what those are, listen to the message if you weren't here. Today's message, we're jumping into, again, if you've got uh, headers in your Bible, 
It's actually labeled oaths in my Bible. But the title of today's message is Walk the Talk. So let's continue reading, looking at chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse 33. This is red letters in my Bible. That means Jesus speaking. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Now, this is before, you know, hair color, ladies. Okay, thank you. I, yeah, color mine frequently. Anyway, verse 37, simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Three more main points stick out to me just in these four verses. Keep your oaths you have made to the Lord. Do not swear at all. And then simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Allow me to look at these in reverse. Let's start with the, the bottom one. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let me ask you, and maybe this might be bad. Um, how many in relationships have had a fight because somebody will not choose where we're going to dinner? Where would you like to go to get dinner? I don't care. Where do you want to go to dinner? I don't know. And then it erupts into a big fight. Why can't you ever just make a decision? I don't know. Why don't you make a decision? Because I do make a decision and then you don't like where I pick, right? Well, I didn't think Culver's was going to come up. I don't want to eat at Culver's. McDonald's? What are you thinking? Shouldn't even be tagged as a restaurant. It's like heart attack waiting to happen under the golden arch. It's a dinner. We've all had fights in our married life because of indecisions, right? Somebody won't just make a decision. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. But why would this be so important that it would be included in Jesus' red letters for living? Because this is huge. This is Satan's biggest tool in his toolbox. Think about it, going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. If they were living, the yes, be yes, the no, be no. When Satan said, did God really say that? Yes! Yes! Or she's going to I don't know. Adam, did God really? Yes! You tell him, yes, he said that. Right? Yes, yes. Satan's biggest tool in his toolbox is that, I don't know, that confusion, that gray area. Well, I don't know. Did he say that? Think about it. Life would have been extremely better for all of us if she would have just talked back. 
Yes! God's commands demand a response on our part. Will you obey or not? Yes or no? I don't know. Well, maybe. Indecisions, and I don't even know if that's a word. It, I just typed it out and it said autocorrect. People are not, some are going like this. Okay, we don't know. Indecision, I don't know. Is it an, I think it is a word. Indecisions is a decision. You've, if you've read the Bible, you've heard it said, they're, either you're for me or you're against me. It, even in Revelations, God says, I would rather you be hot or cold. He said, as a matter of fact, go ahead and just be cold because you've already chosen it. There's no fence in God's eyes. There, there's yes or no. Indecision is a decision against. Anything else comes from the evil one. <laughs> the devil's strongest tool is to bring confusion and uncertainty. Confusion and uncertainty. Did God really say that? Do you really have to give that up to be a Christian? Could taking a little drink really become a big problem? He says he loves you. Do you really need a piece of paper to show your husband and wife? Did God really say that? When People fight so hard to find loopholes in God's commands. They're playing Russian roulette with their eternal destination. And worse than just Russian roulette is they're playing with a loaded gun. God's already said, it's yes or no, for me or against me. So I, Russian roulette, if you don't know, is, you know, you put one bullet in the chamber and pass the gun around and, you know, but you're playing with a loaded gun, a fully loaded gun, because there's no loophole to get around that. And if you're constantly trying to find loopholes to get around simply obeying God, you've already made your choice. Confusion and uncertainty is the devil's playground, and that's why Jesus is telling us to stay away from those gray areas. It's yes and no. And, you know, I come across it all the time. Somebody will come in my office and, well, what about this? If it isn't plain and simple, yes and no, it's I trust God. I guess I don't need to know right now. And most of those people that come to me and want to know, what about this great here? You know, is this really bad? And, you know, this says that and this says that. And if you can't find a black and, you know, like it's uh, wearing bell bottoms there. Hey, how's that? Is that a sin? It should be. <laughs> anyway, but can I prove it? You know, does it stipulate that in the Bible? No. Uh, well, back it up. Should we be wearing pants? Yes. Dress modestly? Yes. You know, back it up. Back it up. So you might not know that. Does that mean that, you know... Well, I can do whatever I want to do. No. If you're looking for loopholes, you've already lost. Number two, do not swear at all. 
Now, in the context of this scripture, it's talking about the swearing, the making of oaths, not the cussing like a sailor, like we was talking about in class today, that Aaron did used to. Before he met Jesus. Anyway, have you ever heard people make statements like, uh, I swear on my mother's grave, when they're trying to tell you how serious they are? What about the old saying, uh, Cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle. Yeah, you do, don't you? You know that one. Making an oath is a covenant agreement. Like saying, if I don't do this, you can have this. It's a covenant agreement, making an oath. Jesus reminds us, though, when he goes through the little list here, that all we claim to have, he said, don't swear by heaven, don't swear by earth, don't swear, you know, you know why he says that? Because we don't own it. You can swear by whatever you want, swear by the hair on your head, God even owns the hair on your head. He's your creator. Everything in heaven is God's throne, that's his. Everything on earth is his footstool, that's his. Everything in Jerusalem, that's his city. Even the hair on your head belongs to him. So what are you going to swear by? What, a, what thing do you have? What do you have? The only oath we can make is the one with God to live for him. To give him our life, to live for him. That's the covenant agreement we can make with God. And that leads into the third one, and this is where I want to camp for the remainder of this message. Keep your oaths you have made to the Lord. Keep your oaths you have made to the Lord. When you committed your life to God, asking God's forgiveness and Jesus to be the Savior and the Lord of your life, what was the covenant agreement you were making? What were the terms of that contract? You see, when you put a contract together, a covenant agreement, a legal agreement, there's certain things that have to be stated. The name of the two parties involved, the subject matter of the contract, what you're committing, the covenant to which each of the parties bind themselves to perform, the date to which it becomes binding, and the signature of both parties representing their commitment to fulfill the obligation they're agreeing upon. Think about that. When you stepped into a love covenant with God, you made a legal agreement, a covenant agreement with him. And if you look over in Deuteronomy chapter 7, you'll see this agreement. I don't know if this is the first listing of it. Um, hello, where's Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy chapter 7. Starting in verse 7. God laid out this love covenant with us. We talked a little bit about it last week. But in Deuteronomy chapter 7, starting in verse 7, the Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. 
But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore, remember I told you there's a few words you always need to circle. Therefore, therefore, this is what I'm going to do. Therefore, now that you've heard why, therefore, therefore, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Who love him. He's got a love covenant to a thousand generations to those who love him and keep his commandments. God made a covenant to bind himself, to show love to all those who love him and obey his commandments. The question for us today is, have you been living up to your end of the agreement? He's lived up to his end, and I'm going to show you that in just a minute. But when you committed your life to Christ, you agreed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to do what he commands. You see, Jesus can't just be your savior. He just can't bail you out. He can't just be your get out of jail free card. He has to be your savior and your Lord. See, too many people want to stay their own Lord in control of their own life. But just give me that get out of jail free card, you know. And he said, love and obey. I'll show love to those who love me and obey my commands. There's many, many scriptures in the New Testament. Do a word search. I, I challenge you. Do a word search. Try to find where all you have to do is love God and not obey what he commands. But over and over again, it says you can't just believe God. You must obey God. In James chapter 2, the Bible again declares faith without deeds is dead, useless, dead. In verse 26, we can't just say we are in a love covenant relationship with God. We have to do our part of the agreement or for all you guys who deal with agreements all the time. What happens if somebody breaks their part of the agreement? The agreement becomes null and void. That's it. So the day that you, if you think you're one of those who just have to love God he knows my heart, which we talked about that one, didn't we? Motives of the heart. Yeah, he does know our heart, and that should scare us at time. Because he said, I'll weigh your heart, I'll judge your heart, and I'll know the truth. Ooh, yeah, that should scare us. But if you're one of those people who just, you know, I'll get out of jail free card, God, I love you, and that's enough. When we stand before God, and he pulls up the agreement we've made, you between you and him. And he says, I kept my end of the deal. Did you keep your end of the agreement to love and to obey? And if he sees that you haven't, then the contract is 
null and void. The agreed upon reward is null and void. You say, well, how can he do that? He's a loving God. He's been a loving God. He's kept up his end of the agreement. As a matter of fact, let me show you here. Oh, I've got to jump down, make sure I don't go back. The covenant between you and God, he agreed to love for a thousand generations. How did he fulfill that? Ah, by John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And let me back up and show you something. Hmm. Well, let me let me say this. People today, good Christian people even, are polluting God's word by declaring that grace stands in opposition to God's commands. That we don't have to live the command. We don't have to do anything. And they even use words like, you don't have to earn God's love. Nowhere did he say you had to earn his love. That you grace alone, grace alone, grace alone. You don't have to do, you don't have to do. Prove that to me in the Bible. That's a, you love and do. You love and do. If you love me, you'll do what I say. He said, I'll show a thousand generations, love upon love upon love, a thousand generations to those who what? Love me and do what I command. So the grace that stands in opposition to living God's command is a lie from the pits of hell. Grace is the unmerited favor of God that gives us strength to live God's commands. Nowhere in the Bible does it state that you don't have to do anything. It's always love and, love and, love and obey, love and obey. The Bible repeatedly says that. And here comes that, that's where that original lie from the devil comes in. Did God really say that? Yes! Yes! In John 14, 23 through 24, I love this. Jesus stated this. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and he will come to him. And sorry, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Who does he make his home with? Those who love me and obey my teaching. Those my father will love. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. If you don't obey his teaching, you are saying you don't love God. And he goes on to say, these words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. What is he stating right there? He's stating there's a covenant agreement. I'm only, tell, I'm only doing this because this is God's, my father's, part of the covenant agreement to send me to send me the covenant was made between you and God God agreed to show his love to a thousand generations to those who love him but listen first he said I'll show love how does he show love John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus recognized that he says hey I'm here because this is God's end of the agreement this is God's covenant that he's keeping with you 
How does he show love to you for a thousand generations? He sent me, Jesus said. He's keeping up his end of the agreement. And the agreed upon terms, you love him and obey. Jesus' last command to us was what? It's a great commission. As a matter of fact, if you want to know, I mean, you trying to train somebody up, which you should always be trying to train somebody up, disciple them, and you should be yourself. We're always learning. We're always growing. A great study is to just go through the New Testament and look up what does God command me to do. Uh, we talked about it last week. Love as. Anytime you see the word as should be a, a circle. Love as God has loved you. Forgive as God has forgiven you. Think about all the commands and just start doing them. Even if you just took one a week. Even if you never heard anything I spoke on here and you just did that. You could start walking the way we're supposed to walk. The commands of God. Love and obey my commands. Jesus' last command he gave us was the Great Commission in Matthew 28. You see that in everything that we do. You see that. That's part of the vision to go and fulfill the Great Commission. Cornerstone Assembly of God strives to be, I mean it's right there on your bulletin, a life-saving station of healthy disciples fulfilling the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? Right here in Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, these were his last words on earth. All authority in heaven on earth and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, hmm, since I have all the authority in heaven and on earth, now he says, now you go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to what? Know everything I command? Do. Do. Obey everything. Teach them to obey, to do everything I commanded you to do. It's even written in the Great Commission. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When will he be with us? When we're doing what he's commanded us to do. When we're obeying his commands. So here's where the pavement hits the road. And we prove that we are committed to walk the talk. And I don't want to try to turn this message into a meeting. But there is uh, some business that I have to mention over the last year, we have all agreed that God's vision for Cornerstone Assembly of God and the Cornerstone Campus um, to be a ministry center to our community. And we even agree that it's even to the world, that it's going to be people outside even our community that's going to be coming in um, to receive ministry here. That this, is, this sanctuary is not going to be big enough. So we've been diligently making plans and committing finances to build the addition that will house a larger, larger sanctuary and a new kids' wing. And we are completing the final steps. 
We're doing the details right now with the bank, with the zoning, with the getting the building permit. We're doing all those last final things before breaking ground. Promise soon. But, you know, let me say this. When you begin to take new territory, the enemy's camp, he liked those little, nothing against the chihuahuas, but he's like those little chihuahuas with a megaphone. And most of the time, we jump back the minute we hear a bark. Right? But if we just persist on, stand strong, and keep taking that next step, and that next step, then all of a sudden we're like, that little chihuahua scared me. You were the bark, and he'll start backing up. Right? Well, as we've known that we're building, we need this addition. The kids need their own wing. We need, we're cramming sometimes 40 people in those three little classrooms that we call our kids' wing right now. It's just too much. They need their own area to grow, and parents need to feel secure that, you know, my kid's in a secure area, and it's, it's okay, and we need a, a bigger sanctuary. I'll tell you, all the little dogs have started coming out. <laughs> got to like that one. I got to like that one. I got to like that one. So it has taken a little bit longer than we thought, but, you know, maybe more of us need to stand up and start praying and and persisting in our prayers for these dogs to shut up. Anyway, all right. Had nothing to do with what I was, yeah, it did. So in order for us to reach more people, which we are commanded to do, go into all the world and make disciples, we've also realized that we need to make more room now, temporarily at least, um, in, this, in this sanctuary until we finish the new sanctuary. Um, you've heard me say it before, statistics say in rural churches that uh, people will only fill up a sanctuary up to 60%. So we have 100 seats. We won't ever be, I mean, we'll have fluctuations in which we have seen over the last two years, last year specifically as we've really been targeting this issue. Um, we won't ma- we'll max at 60-70, which is where we've been over this last year. Um, so the staff and the board has agreed it's time to take a step of faith to move to two services. Again, we're looking at this temporarily until the new sanctuary is finished. Uh, guys, help me out, though. I can't remember. Is the new sanctuary, is those seats um, 280, 277 seats? Um, so... Again, we're hoping this is just temporarily to move to two services until the new sanctuary is finished. Um, but we have due, we've done due diligence over this last year trying to dot every I, cross every T, hope we considered everything, looking at all anger, angles and doing research. And I've been pounding the pavement as far as other churches that went to two services and how did you do it and what are some things that you could advice you can give us and so and all the details of the flow of things and kids and where are they going to go and what are they going to do so we think we've worked it all out and we actually came up with these service times if you want to put that slide up that the two service times would be first service would be 9 a.m. to 10 30 
with the discipleship classes, there would always be classes running in between those two. And um, MDC classes will still be in the spring and in the fall. But in between that, there will be three-week classes offered from youth ministry, children's ministry, um, prayer ministry, um, worship is either, even going to do some. I'm missing somebody, aren't I? Um, uh, okay, you know. And then second serve. So that's still that 40-minute class time. And then at 11.30 to 1 will be second service. And you're, I know the first thing, how can you do church in an hour and a half? If you've been watching closely since January, actually even before because of Christmas, we started in the last couple weeks of December, we've already been doing services within an hour and a half. We haven't taken away anything. We haven't ordered the Holy Spirit out. As a matter of fact, if you look at that, at the end of even first service, there's nothing else happening here in the sanctuary until 1130. So there is no reason, if there's altar ministry going on and you got to get to class, you just slip out. Altar ministry isn't going to be like, sorry, you're all done. Get up off the floor and go. It's not going to be like that, okay? Again, I don't want to turn this message into a meeting. But in order to achieve the results intended, you can take that, unless you guys need it left up there. Um, in order to achieve the results intended, reach more, teach more, heal more, and not make this a burden on just a handful of individuals, we need every believer to do their part in the body. And according to Ephesians 4.16, we will grow as each part does its work. We will grow as each part does its work. Francis Assisi stated, start doing what's necessary and then what's possible. Then suddenly you're doing the impossible. And that's what we want. I mean, every time we started looking at the Cornerstone campus and, and how are these all, all these things are going to be built and how are we going to do this, you know, all these big things that we keep seeing. How is this going to happen? Simply by doing what's necessary. Taking that step of faith. This is what's necessary right now. And then what's possible. I think I can do this. And then soon you're doing the impossible. And isn't that what we all want to do? Do you really live your life to be marked at your funeral? Well, he breathed. What more can you say? Um, she lived? No, you want to know what did she do? What was the mark you left on this earth? Right? We want to leave a mark that just happens to be with the blood of Jesus in this community. Not big for big sake. That's just, that's stupid. I mean, who really, I mean, I, I have a problem. I tend to be a, I don't like to say workaholic, but I do like to get things done. Well, I don't like to work. Let's just be honest. I mean, I don't, I don't even think I know what a bonbon is, but our motto in the house is sitting back eating bonbons and watching TV. You know, what are you doing today? Eating bonbons and watching soap operas. That's what we always joke about. No, we don't watch soap operas. Anyway, nobody wants to work. Going to two services is going to be work. Hello? I already get up at 5.30 every morning. 
I already, when I go home, the message and the weight of the words that God gives me to share to you is so pressing in my mind. I can't even rest the rest of the day. And the people that have, have spoken, you know, for me and said in for me say, you know, what happens on Sunday afternoons and Mondays where you go into like torment? Why should that be? It's the weight of the words that you speak. So going to two services feels like it's going to double my work, <laughs> double the torment. You know, it's not something that, oh, Pastor Brenda wants to go to two services. It's work. It's necessary. Do it. We're commanded to go and reach the lost. We need to make room for them. Because I know some of you in here have stated, well, there's plenty of Look around, there's plenty of seats. You must be one of those hugging people. Because in rural communities, we need our space. I really am. I can get pretty close to people. But even in my pretty close to people, I have a bubble, people. <laughs> you have to be invited into my bubble. If you step into my bubble and you haven't been invited, I start to back up. Oh, really? Yeah, that's nice. So just think, if everybody in here had a bubble, we're already maxed over capacity. I know, Aaron, spread out. Look at this is it deodorant, man? What is it? What is it? Oh, you're a, you swear, that's what it was. We figured that out. You're a cusser. Swearing like a sailor. All right. Uh, oh, let me just say, the reason people are getting bored with church is because you are not created to just come to church. You were created to be plugged in. You are commissioned to be plugged in to do the work of the ministry and carry the power of Jesus to a lost and dying world. So if you think church is boring, you're not doing it right. Something's wrong. So let me just say next Sunday, April 2nd, after service, we are continuing with the Red Letter Living. After service, we are going to have a Q&A time. So the board will stay with me. Dave, I'm going to keep my eye on you. The board will stay. The staff will stay with me right after service. Anybody, it's an informal meeting. Anybody that has more questions that they haven't got answered this week can have that time. Questions, answers, concerns um, right after service next week. Again, this is not an easy decision. We've been considering this over the past year. And let me just say this realization sunk in with me just in this last week when I read another article. Um, I think it was Charisma Magazine researched these big churches that went to, not just big churches, but researched these churches that went to two services and some got some insight. How can you do it correctly? So I'm like, you know, really digging through that um, article. And one of the points is make sure you communicate that so your congregation knows that the minute you split to two services, you won't double in attendance right away. It takes four to six months to see that up, upward growth in your attendance, four to six months. And then all of a sudden it just sunk in with me. Man, if we would have took the step of faith a year ago, we would be setting in the growth, the full two services that we need 
to support the new building we're getting ready to build. And I'm like, I'm sorry, God. Missed it. Missed that one. Won't miss it again. I know you're calling us and it's going to be work. But if we all plug in and if we all do our part. So barring any unforeseen whatever and God willing and the creeks don't rise, you know, all the old sayings. The two services will launch the Sunday after Easter, April 23rd. So when you're inviting your friends and your family and we're going to pack as many chairs as we can into the sanctuary and, and pray that Fire Marshal Bill don't show up to shut us down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fire Marshal Bill. They will be handing them invites to the next week's two services. And remember, that's when I launched the series, The Birds and the Bees, What Your Parents Never Taught You. And I'll just leave that one alone. So as we close, wink, wink, elbow, elbow, Amy. As we close, my challenge for you over these next few weeks is pray and fast. And you're all going, oh, yes, fast. Pray and fast. Find something. I don't care. One meal a, you know, a week, one meal a day, um, whatever, however, whatever. But pray and fast with us. Three big ones. Four, I just added this morning because of all those little barking dogs that keep coming our way. I mean, every time I open my email, it's like another barking dog, something else we have to do. Um, and I've listed these Prayer points. Um, can Jerry, can you go grab one of the ushers? And I, they have these cards that they're going to hand out on our way out. Bring me one of those cards. I don't know. Oh, there's Kirk right here. I I looked and didn't even see you. The ushers are going to be at the back doors after we close, after we pray. And on these cards, realizing the vision, on the back here, I listed these prayer points. Again, the fourth point isn't on here. Those, if, so if you grab the card and write right away so you don't forget the barking dogs. And that's all the banking, zoning, city appraisals, inspections, and etc. All those details go unhindered and building this new addition. But as you leave today... Grab one of these cards, and it's not one per family, it's one per person. Because on here, I want you to list your name. And again, we can't, we can't do this without you. If everybody's not doing their part in the body, there's other parts that are trying to carry the extra load, and it will be hard. So I'm asking you to fill this out. Again, you can look at this, pray it over the next week. Bring it back with you next week. Ladies, put it in your purse so it will be there next week. We'll have more for you next week, Dale, if you forget. Just tape it right here. Put it on his back, Betty. That way he don't even see it. Um, we need your commitment to take this step of faith, to realizing this vision, to bring these cards back completed next week. Tell us what you can help us with. First, tell us, you know, what service would are you going to attend helps us for planning. Uh, tell us where you can help. 
You know, we, we need to double up on greeters, you know, on ushers, connections counter, cafe, you know, think about it. Where can you help? Love and do. Love and do. And then bring these back. And this will help us immensely in scheduling and planning for this launch to go as smooth as possible right after Easter, the week after Easter. So if I can, while we close, if you're on the altar team, would you just, prayer team, would you please come up to the front? I want to close with praying this um, commissioning prayer This that King Solomon prayed when they were dedicating the temple. This is part of this prayer. And we are called the temple of God. And I want the prayer team to lift their hands, raise their hands, and we are going to pray and believe over you, the temple of God, to commit to not just loving God, but doing God's work. Walk the talk. And so while I pray this, while I read this prayer, altar team is going to be praying for you. Um, I want you to just receive. Hear these words and just receive. If this is you and you and saying, yep, I'm standing up with you. I'm going to commit to walking out everything I agreed to in my love covenant with God. To love and obey. Then receive this and let this be your declaration today too. And then right after I do this, I'm going to have you stand and we're going to continue with the prayer time. In 1 Kings chapter 8, King Solomon prayed toward the end of his dedication of the temple. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he never leave us nor forsake us. May he turn our hearts to him to walk in all his ways and to keep the commands, decrees, and regulations he gave our fathers. And may these words of mine, which I have prayed before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God day and night, that he may uphold the cause of his servants and the cause of his people Israel according to each day's needs, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is no other. But your hearts must be fully committed to the Lord our God to live by his decrees and obey his commands at this time and forevermore. Father, we thank you for this word that you've spoken today. And I ask right now that we help to take that responsibility more serious. God, that the enemy's lies are now erased, exposed. We know what he's been trying to do. And no longer will we look to to find loopholes in getting out of what you're commanding us to do. But God, with the strength of your Holy Spirit, will stand and not only love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, but we will commit to obey your commands, to do all you've commanded us to do. And specifically for that great commission to be fulfilled, to go into all the world, to teach them to obey everything you commanded. God, to teach, to heal, preach. 
God, we know what you're calling us to do. Now give us the strength to do it. God, I just ask altar team, continue to pray. And let me just talk to you guys that are sent here. If you've never made an agreement, if you've never made a covenant relationship with God, or maybe you have at one time and now you're realizing through this message, wow. I, I at one time asked God to, or asked Jesus to be my Savior, but I kind of kept the reins on me being the Lord of my life to be the Lord of my life as well. God, I'm asking for your forgiveness, and I want to sign my name on that covenant agreement of love with you. That God, I already know that you've given a thousand generations. You said you'll give your love through us, to us. And you're asking us to love you and obey your commands. That's my part of the deal, basically. And God, I stand today and I want to begin a new covenant relationship with you. That's you. It's that simple. State those words to God. God, I'm here. Forgive me for the way I've lived my life without you. And God, I turn over the reins to my life to you. Jesus, I'm asking you not only to be the Savior of my life, but to be the Lord of my life. I'll live to obey you, God, knowing that you have my best interest in mind, knowing that you wrote every day of my life before I was even born. I live to fulfill the plans that you have for my life, and I couldn't ask for a better life. You have everything taken care of. Today's your new day. That's it. You started. You signed your name. And if that's you today, I ask you, I implore you to come up front, get prayed over. Let us help you cement that relationship. And we have a little book that's called A, a New Life that we want to give you. We even have Bibles we'll give you if you don't have a Bible at home. We'll give you a Bible. We'll give you a book. There's new discipleship classes that uh, I think the last week it is this Sunday, but we'll walk with you. We'll help you in your relationship. But if I could just ask everybody to stand as we close and you want to, um, like I said, I want to encourage you if you prayed that prayer for the first time or again, rededicated your life, come up front. Um, but also if you have any prayer need, any prayer need at all, you don't have to be a member of the church to get prayed for. And look at these individuals. Aren't they pretty looking? They want to pray with you. 